0: One time specifically, I went up for a rebound. I got the ball kind of behind me and I had pinned my arm behind me. Um, So I brought the ball into my body and just drilled myself in the junk (laughs) with the ball.
1: Welcome to Stand Up, Pedal Action. Welcome to Supa, everyone. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, This may not be the day that you're consuming ridiculous amounts of turkey uh, today as you're listening, but that's the day that this will be airing. Normally, we have guests on the show, whether they be pros or locals from the community. But today, on this episode of Stand Up, Pedal Action, we're just keeping it family. It's just going to be Josh, myself, and Samson, finally on the microphone. Anybody who's been in the show uh knows Samson, those of you who have not been on the show yet who are just listening, you don't know Samson, but we have Samson on the mic today here in the studio.
2: yes, indeed, uh Samson, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good how How has
1: this show been for you these few months of listening to these illustrious guests that we've
2: had on the program staring deeply into their eyes
0: ah <laughs> uh... <laughs> Mostly I just sit and listen. Don't have a lot to say, really. My facial expression says it all. Yeah.
1: How would you describe that expression for those who can't see it?
0: Vacant. <laughs> <laughs> Bulged eyes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, do you have anything to say about the state of the bike industry right now?
0: Yeah, I think they. Uh, the e-bikes I see out there are pretty interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you guys consider those real bikes or or not, but uh, the people on them usually are, are not people that you would necessarily see out like doing the kind of stuff you guys do.
2: What are the kind of things you think we do?
0: I've only ever seen you ride in the driveway, so I don't know. <laughs> <We> don't know. <laughs> but You say you go out and... We just disappear for hours on yeah. end and then show back up and we're all sweaty. Yep. So for all I know, you just go around the corner and dump a water bottle on your head.
1: So what questions do you have for us about biking? Since you've been a part of the show, waiting patiently, staring into the eyes of our guests.
0: Well, me being a large, plush, pink thing without bones, (laughs) I've always wondered (laughs) how a bike seat feels to the human behind, especially the ones with no padding. Do you have, like, a, a pelvic callus? <laughs> how's, that, how's that work?
2: Are we talking about the humans without padding, or or the seats without padding?
0: <laughs> the seats without padding. Because the humans without padding, they're usually the ones on the e-bikes. <laughs> no, they're the ones I with the padding. Yeah,
1: the mistake. e-bikers yeah. have more of the padding, usually.
2: Yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, we say this is a podcast about mountain biking and type 2 fun. The fun that is appreciated after the fact. And... Any amount of time being on a saddle, it, it turns into type 2 fun at some point, I, I would say.
1: Yeah, we may bag on ball sports around here sometimes, but uh, not a lot of chance in basketball that your junk is going to go bad.
0: Oh, I beg to differ. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you have some stories to share?
0: Yeah, Samson has many stories to share about playing basketball. Uh, I mean, it just happens to get hit on a screen or something, or one time in spe- specifically, I went up for a rebound, I got the ball kind of behind me, and I had pinned my arm behind me, um, so I brought the ball into my body and just drilled myself in the junk <laughs> with the ball.
2: <laughs> the visual here of you flying through the air is yeah. pretty profound.
0: I was going it was like, like a vertical jump, and I had the ball. It was like a one-handed rebound, and I didn't have a way to, to catch it, so I brought it into my body, I guess, and that's just where it ended up.
1: All right. Anything else other than... Uh what a bike seat feels like when you have bones and you're not just a big fluffy pink thing.
0: I don't know. would be interested to hear about like wipeouts you guys have had. I had one, I think the last time I jumped on a mountain bike, like in high school, um, as my friend's bike, it was just like after church, we were just hanging out and we hit this jump in this like vacant lot and he was hitting it just fine and going over it. And then I went for a shot and I hit it as hard as I could. And the, la- the inside, Part of the landing caught my back tire. I just went over the handlebars, twisted the handlebars so they were, like, parallel with the front wheel. Just did a faceplant <laughs> in the dirt. Um, it was all scraped up. I still have a scar on my, my hip and my left butt cheek from that. Um, I don't know if you guys have epic stories about that, but those are always fun.
1: I feel like, Josh, you don't have too many really great wreck stories.
2: Oddly enough, knocking on wood here i've had probably likely a concussion or two different points my worst wreck was actually in moab on gold bar rim trail i was feeling really like overconfident and just pretty relaxed and i i took a drop without enough speed at the last second like i made the decision to take it instead of do the the workaround and I tried to throw my weight back really far in order to compensate so I didn't land on my nose. And I put my left thigh <laughs> like on, on the tire, the rear tire. And when the bike landed, I was still back there. And so the it was a full suspension bike. And the compression of the rear basically scissored my thigh between the seat post and the tire and then bucked me off to the side. (laughs) And I landed straight on my back after smacking my helmet. Um thankfully I was wearing an Evoc spine protection backpack. It was great. Mm -hmm. Uh but then I couldn't I couldn't move my leg. (laughs) It was like the ultimate dead leg. And I wasn't sure if something was broken. I didn't feel a snap or anything, but I couldn't move my leg and sensation wasn't coming back. So I didn't know what was happening. I finally, like, was able to hop up and hobble, and anytime I tried to straighten my leg or pedal, it would seize. My whole hamstring would just seize and make it very, very difficult to do any kind of movement. And that continued for uh, a few weeks, actually. I hobbled slash coasted slash tried to scooter my bike off of that trail, (laughs) and then is not the easiest trail it took a to get back for weeks
0: to get off the trail <laughs> <laughs> yes
2: uh, no it was a long it was a long day getting out of there there was a lot of hiking a lot of rolling um but yes i i wasn't able to walk right for several weeks after that that's probably the worst one i'd say i still think the most painful like immediate wreck was in ute valley coming down nachos I was not doing the drops. I did the little little switch back through the narrow rocks and I lost my balance and slow speed tipped over to the left and smacked my ear on one of those sandstone rocks. (laughs) Wow, that was excruciating. My ear. Your your ear. Yes, just full on, all my weight, (laughs) smacking right on the ear. That was painful. Now you may be thinking that I have a terrible pain tolerance and uh, that might be possible. I don't know ears hurt the reason that our moms use them as leverage
1: no it's actually funny you say that because after some period of mountain biking i thought my pain tolerance had gotten way higher because i was doing this is back in the day when i was riding clipless originally and i had them really loose so you would slip a foot out and then send that little that little ice cream scoop of a front end of an spd clip right into your <laughs> shin and uh if I got to where it was, it didn't feel like it was hurting as bad. And I thought it was because I was suddenly bigger and burlier. And then I, I don't know what it was doing. I like smacked my arm at work on something. It, it was like the most painful thing I could imagine. And that's when I realized that, no, I wasn't actually any more of a badass. I had just deadened the front of my shins. <laughs> the rest <laughs> of me was still very
2: susceptible to pain. Just killed off some of your nerve endings there. Yeah. Right down the front. Samson, have you had any pretty wild wrecks?
0: Um... So when I was a little kid, I rode, we were riding our bikes, my mom was like walking with us, and I rode my bike straight into a curb. The handlebars came up and hit me in the face and it knocked <laughs> both of my front teeth out. <laughs> there wow. is the baby teeth, thankfully, but I mean, it was just like, boom, right in the right in the front of the face. So it was <laughs> lots of blood. I was panicked because there was a car coming, and I thought I was going to get hit by the car, but it was like a half mile away, so... <laughs> it was just you live and learn, I guess.
1: I once uh put myself headfirst into my parents' kitchen door um off of a braking attempt gone bad. We had this garage floor that was polished concrete. So my brother and I would ride out into the street and then up the driveway, and you would come flying into the garage as fast as you could, and I would try to like jam on the old pedal brakes and slide the back tire around. This was great because you can, you know, just do a little slide out in the garage and feel super cool when you're single-digit aged. <clears throat> well, that was fine until one day I, I started getting, like, realizing that if I put my foot all the way at the top of, you know, the 12 o'clock position, I got more braking power so I could go faster. Well, one day I come flying into the garage as fast as my little legs could carry me, and I get the pedal all cocked right at that top. And then when I jammed down, it went forward instead of back. So No braking a little acceleration and I just went flying straight into the steps at the back of the garage and then head first right into the door. Just boom. I just crumpled on the steps, just laying there. And all I remember is my mom like walking over and opening the door and asking me what happened. And I gave some, you know, explanation. So I'm like, Oh, I just ran into the door. I was trying to ride my bike in the garage. And she said, okay, fine. And then just closed the door and
2: walked away. <laughs> uh, Samson, any other um, any other feedback, interesting things that you've observed?
0: Um, well, mostly, I only get to observe things when I'm at this table, when you guys are at this table, because there's blankets hanging everywhere. I do have to say, it gets very cold in here, o- only wearing a hat. I'm wearing no other clothing except for my Pepto-Bismol pink fur. <laughs> Christmas is coming.
2: Noted. Now, being that we are going to be releasing this episode on Thanksgiving Day, mm-hmm. uh, it would be good to dive into a little bit of the things that uh, we've we've been thankful for this past year. It's been, you know, still a little bit rough. Uh, it's no twenty twenty. Yeah, are
1: we going to ask Samson particularly what he's thankful for before we let him go?
2: Yes. Yes. Yes, it's no 2020, but 2021 was also a bit of a doozy. What, uh, what kind of things are you thankful for
3: this past year? This chair is pretty comfortable.
2: It's good. You do spend a lot of time sitting in it. Yeah, it's true.
0: Yeah, I wish you guys would kind of pick me up, you know, exercise my joints a little more. You have help, joints? Help me with my mobility. Noted. You've never voiced these things before. No one's ever asked. <laughs>
1: Touche. Touche. All right, Samson, thanks so much for being on the show. (laughs) Well, Jason. Yeah. Josh, hello.
2: (laughs) Hello. What kind of things are you thankful for from this past year?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, it, it sounds cheesy and silly to say, but I am very thankful for the people that have opened up on this show that have helped us with this effort of Supa. Because this, a year ago, was just a crazy, stupid idea that you mostly had and were trying to badger me into of like, dude, we should do this podcast. And it has become a much bigger part of this year than I expected. And it's been phenomenal. Um, I feel like we're just at the beginning of this little journey, but I'm really excited to see what this podcast can become and what kind of connections that can come from it. And honestly, you know, I have no idea where it's going, but it's been amazing. So that is one thing. Another is honestly. A mostly injury-free year of riding, both on the show and just in general. Anybody who rides, anybody who does endurance stuff, like it's a weird thing to have something that's such a huge part of your life, and yet kind of actively endangers your life as well. (laughs) Yeah. And with some, uh, at least for me, some fairly significant injuries, broken bones and whatnot in the last couple of seasons, and right now, hearing so many more people that I know who are recently injured and on the mend... It's been great to spend, you know, again, knock on wood, most of 2021 without any significant injury.
2: That is something great to be thankful for. Yeah, hopefully that will continue.
3: Yeah, let's hope.
2: Yeah, I mean, injuries can be powerful tools for growth into themselves. They but, can. But uh, it's nice to be able to go ride your bike. Yeah, very much. How about you? yeah I, I mean you you touched on two that I'm also very thankful for um, this podcast it was it was kind of just a pipe dream that it was developing over uh really a couple of years and the the passion that I have behind it it's always always going to be most centralized over the community mm-hmm. and drawing people in, getting to know other people relationships connection the people make whatever you're doing. Like they make or break it. (laughs) And we have had some really fun people on the podcast so far and a lot of people in the extended community um, encouraging us in cool ways and giving us ideas and just having fun listening to episodes. And I hope that that will continue to grow and we'll be able to be a, a really positive impact in drawing the community together. I think I think we've already done some in that area and it's been really fun to be a part of. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I'm just blown away getting to sit here in a studio and hear about people's journeys and lives and the things that they really value and help them come alive in different ways. That's something that I will, I will always be super passionate about and it's such a privilege and honor to be in this position.
1: Yeah. And it one of the things that it's highlighted for me is And this unfortunately goes without saying, because it should be said that we get to play in an unbelievable environment in a sport that is honestly astoundingly expensive. And the amount of privilege and money and good fortune and the investment of other people that it takes for anybody to really engage in mountain biking is immense. And you know, just this morning before we recorded this, we were talking with the guys from Twisted Spoke and uh, you all will be hearing that next week. And Wen made a really great point that we don't stop often enough to really take in the wonder of what the natural world offers us here in Colorado and the, just the wonder of cycling, being out, being able to ride on these incredible bikes in fantastic locations.
2: Yeah. It is a true gift. And it's a gift that I feel like very few people are really handed in life. Mm -hmm. You know, there are those that have been through a lot of adversity and have ended up here. And there are those that kind of were just born into, you know, pretty chill, chill lives and have chosen this as a passion. And there's nothing wrong with any of our experiences. But I think it is really important to remember that There are those that have not had the opportunity to have these experiences. Yeah. And there's a lot to highlight, especially if we start looking globally, there's a lot to highlight. There's a lot of pain and suffering, real pain and suffering, not just type two fun Mm -hmm. in the world. And if there's any way that, you know, we can help to alleviate some of that and bring some encouragement and joy to the world around us, that is something that I hope to do with every fiber of my being. Yeah. I just, I, I'm so grateful that we get to do this right now with bikes. And I wonder what turns it'll take in the future, but you know, we're along for the ride for sure.
1: Yeah. No joke. These are things to be definitely thinking about, especially at this time of year, when many of us get a little more conscious of giving back or giving in some kind of charitable way, but obviously that's not just a seasonal thing. It isn't just for hitting up your local food bank to hand off some turkey and cranberry sauce for the less fortunate on thanksgiving like that that is a year-long year-round thing to be able to understand the place you've got in life and to use it well and uh it's a challenge for me especially moving into the next year to maybe do a little better than this year
2: yeah yeah it's good to set some goals (laughs) and see what yeah what you really value um yeah this this these past two years, I mean, in the midst of COVID, that has been a pretty immense trial for for a lot of us. I know, but it's highlighted a lot of tensions in our world, uh, in our relationships, as people have different opinions about everything, and everything is becoming politicized. And you know, we're just such at odds with one another in ways that I haven't really experienced.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it. Makes the world that much brighter when you do have really positive interactions, when you're able to, you know, step aside and really listen to someone and try to bring peace to a situation that might be very challenging for them. All the more
1: reason I'm excited that more and more people have picked up cycling over the last couple of years for all the reasons of getting away from the nonsense, getting out into nature. Taking some time and space out in the natural world. And that's something that I'm really excited about. Like the number of new riders that have moved into all levels of cycling over the last couple of years is one bright spot out of a lot of not so very exciting developments over the last couple of years. And it's something that, you know, I, I don't know what tiny little part we have here in the springs, but just generally, I'm super excited to see the biking community just stoked to have more people join the party and hopefully many of those people will become lifelong riders and not just people who decided to start biking around during lockdown
2: yeah yeah there's been some really cool growth in the midst of pandemic yeah i i hope that that continues and that the pandemic does not (laughs) yeah
1: so speaking of darkness let's talk about the fact that it's winter And we're about to go into the season where many people put the bike down only to pick it up back at the first warm day in the spring and feel like they have no legs and nothing's going on and, oh man, I can't even remember how to ride this thing. That's not really the case for most of the guests we've had on the show and it's not the case for you and I. So let's talk about that for a second. You, Josh, especially among the two of us, have more experience than I do even in Riding through the cold and the dark of long winter nights. Where did that start for you?
2: Well, I, so I'm a nurse, mm-hmm. and if anyone knows anything about nursing, uh, the place that you start typically, you get out of school, and no matter what department you start in um, or what facility, you often end up on the night shift. It's just, it's kind of a rite of passage to some extent, and some people end up loving it. Uh, That still confuses me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a certain beauty to working night shift, uh, especially for an introvert, which I definitely feel myself to be. You have a lot of solitude and a lot of time at night when people are not around to, you know, you can give it to positive things you give it negative things you can spool or you can try to soak up the the joy in that piece Mm -hmm. um so some of the things that i tried to do in the midst of that it was it was just over a year that i was full-time on night shift and yeah the first few months i was able to switch back and forth and try to find a little bit of rhythm um still try to live my day life but As I got into the last few months, I had just given up and I'd gotten pretty bitter because it took so much energy to flip schedules that I just essentially went fully nocturnal unless I had something I needed to be awake for. Mm -hmm. But then I was never fully awake because my body just wasn't resting well. Um, And, you know, talking about circadian rhythm and daylight cycles, like it has a real effect on your body. Yeah. And your alertness and you just kind of feel like you're always in a fog and again some people can handle it better um i was not doing well and had gone fully nocturnal to the point where i just you know i would wake up at three four five in the afternoon and i would be up until seven eight nine in the morning and sleep oh my gosh that sounds terrible yeah yeah in, in, for the most part, it was very difficult. But the silver linings were that I had tons of time when there wasn't any social pressure. Mm-hmm. People aren't awake during that time. You can't go to appointments or visit businesses or do errands like none of that.
3: Yeah.
2: We have a couple 24 hour grocery stores, and I would be there at like 2 a.m. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> doing my shopping when everyone's stocking the shelves. And there's a certain piece to that you don't have to deal with the hustle and bustle. You don't have traffic. Yeah, That is amazing. I really abhor traffic. (laughs) (laughs) What about traffic on the trail though? Right. I also took advantage of that solitude on trails. And, you know, they say that Parks close at a certain time. <laughs> uh, we could kind of push that envelope. Yeah, and I yeah. did. I did a ton of night riding all over the place. And I, you know, I had a pretty good light setup. I'd get one on my helmet, and one on my handlebars. What is your light
1: setup for those who might be looking around and wondering?
2: Yeah, so I've used a few different ones. Um, I started out with some some knockoff um, cheap Cree LEDs from China. And uh, full disclosure.
1: We do have a metal bucket here at the at the studio that those lights are charged in just in case they light on fire
2: yeah yeah the the batteries a lot of them use just um, slap together packs of 18650 rechargeables, and <laughs> the 18650s are usually pretty pretty stable, but when you slap them together in different wiring, um, they have been known to catch on fire when charging so <laughs> Yes, we charge them in a steel bucket. <laughs> yep. So you started there. <laughs> yeah, and those those were great. Um, they're cheap. They're bright, but you know, I didn't like feeling like I'm going to burn the house down anytime I charge them, and um, <laughs> there were just kind of inconsistencies in the quality and matching a battery to the light, and it was, it was kind of a pain after a while. Um, so I tried actually a few magic shines. Um, which have a similar style. Those were, I actually just borrowed those, so I had to return them, and ended up getting a little bit of a discount with uh, Night Rider, mm-hmm. and bought a handful of their lights. Um, and their mounts are pretty simple and secure. And I was able to put one on my helmet and one on the handlebars. And uh, you know, I can take an, just a whole spare light because it's self-contained. You don't have a battery pack. Yeah. and it's really simple, and they are super bright which
1: uh what luminar or, or what wattage you're usually rocking
2: so i have a 950 and several 650s which i think a lot of people would say that's not bright enough um i usually try to use minimal settings because i like i like soaking up the night as well mm-hmm. and um, you know, there are times if there's, if there's enough light out ambiently, then I, I won't even use the light and I will try to challenge myself to just kind of feel the trail. And that's a special sensation. <laughs> that's a dangerous you, sensation. It, We're not it suggesting is. that, but, it is. <laughs> um, but you know, if there's a full moon or something, then, oh, those have been some incredible rides, especially full moon in the snow. Mm, yeah. Cause the snow, you know, just amplifies all that light and you can you ride kind of wherever you want. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great without light.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. um but with the light i just got really comfortable in having that duo and kind of doing any any kind of riding all over the
3: place um so the
2: i'd say i did a few pretty large adventure rides um and there was a certain amount of fear in riding in the dark and after you know several months of riding around town parks at odd hours um I limited a lot of the fear and started doing bigger rides, um, you know, up on like Rampart Range or the biggest one I did, um, was leaving, leaving the house around 11 PM and riding up bar trail. And I summited Pike's Peak at like it was right right around sunrise. It took me a long time. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Just straight up bar. It was a beautiful morning, just crystal clear, cold. Yeah. (laughs) Really cold. And this was on my carbon hardtail. (laughs) I don't really know what I was thinking, but I figured, oh, it'll be easier to get up there.
1: You didn't think about getting down?
2: Yeah. I think that was actually my first time riding up Bar. I'd done Bar a bunch because I've Mm -hmm. done the Pikes Peak Ascent several times and then just hiked it several times. Um, So I knew the trail and I, I, wasn't afraid of getting lost at all but yeah i I wanted to get to the summit and then i thought i could maybe ride down on the hardtail but i was i was so tired i'd been up for most of the day doing errands and different things so i'd worked the night before been up most of the day and then went on this ride so i had not slept in i don't know how long and before i reached the summit that i'm not coming down this trail i i have to just take the road down Mm -hmm. it's fine i got the sunrise like it was a really cool experience yeah (laughs) it might be one of the the only people to ever ride my bike slash push my bike up Pikes Peak and then ride the highway down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, you're doing it wrong if yeah, you do yeah. that most of the time.
2: Yeah. I wish I'd made a Strava segment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You'd still have the KOM out of one people. Oh <laughs> man.
2: Um, But I got to the top and, you know, it's freezing and I figured I'm just going to cruise mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll freeze on the way down, but it'll be over fairly quick. And the highway was closed. Because oh, no. it was during the summer. Uh, it was one of the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb practice days. And I, I didn't even think about that. So this is a motor race that goes up Pikes Peak every year. And they, they had yeah. a couple weeks leading up to the race where, you yeah, know, the early morning hours are blocked off for practice runs. And I'll do like three sections of highway. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that day... It was, it was the middle section. Um, so there were a couple of people that came up to the top, but it was all shut down. They wouldn't let me go down the highway. And
3: what did you do? The summit
2: house wasn't open either. Yeah. And so there were a couple of little windbreaks up there. And I just huddled with like my wind jacket. And I think I had um, like a fleece melons on or something. And I just kind of huddled in the corner <laughs> for a couple of hours and tried to close my eyes. And I was tired enough that I actually fell asleep for a little bit freezing yeah and then when they they finished up practice i just followed followed the cars down um dang yeah yeah so that was that was rough and then i got home and went to sleep <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had to ride down highway 24 totally sleep deprived that was a little scary yeah so night riding it's it's something that i think intimidates a lot of people and yet it can be a beautiful escape um solitude is is precious in th- this busy world we live in all the time yeah um you may run into a few rabbits <laughs> they are very nocturnal it turns out yeah. uh, especially in their early morning hours man mm-hmm. hundreds hundreds of rabbits <laughs> all over every trail any trail i was on
1: did you ever hit one almost did you ever have to
2: bunny hop i did oh. I did bunny hop a rabbit on the Falcon Trail? <laughs> yes, I was so proud of it. I named my strava right something like bunny hopping rabbits. Something it was profound. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> truly. Uh-huh. What uh, what advice would you give to anybody who is looking ahead at the training calendar and deciding that maybe this is the year they make the jump into being prepared for the dark and the cold, and they're just going to keep riding outdoors
2: all year? Yeah, I, I mean, we know a lot of people who who do that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So those are two two different aspects um, that you know a wise man once said: "There's no bad weather; there's only bad gear." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh poor poor preparation. And we live in a day and age where equipment technology is on a whole new level, mm-hmm. and yeah, you, know, you with the right equipment and the right Layering the right knowledge, you can kind of just keep riding in most any circumstances. Uh, now there are definitely outliers, but it's it's amazing what you can accomplish that you may not have initially perceived possible. um yeah. So and we talked about the light aspect. Really, I think one on your handlebars, one on your helmet, and then a tail light. Mm-hmm. Um, just something that flashes red light, uh, especially when you're on the roads. Less important on the trails, but if you're ever even like on a road or a paved path, working your way to trails. And that's
1: a, a good reminder because any number of us might think, oh, well, I'm driving to the trailhead. I'm just going to be on trail for this whole ride. But things go wrong. And sometimes you find that a road is the fastest way home. Better to be prepared and have a light with you than to suddenly be out in the dark with nothing.
2: I, I become very acutely aware of how hard it is to see cyclists when they don't have a taillight. Yeah. When I'm driving around and, you know, you, even if they have a front light, you don't often notice what that is. It's just kind of like dim off to the side. And if you're not looking right at it, mm-hmm. um, it can be really easy to miss these cyclists. So please bring a taillight, use yeah, a taillight. Absolutely. Um, it makes a world of difference. And actually I feel like is oftentimes safer <laughs> at night riding with a good taillight. Um uh, I've done some night road riding and man, people see me from anywhere because <laughs> you have that super bright LED flashing light. Yeah. So yeah, you're much much more visible to some extent. Yeah. Um uh, than you are during the day even. But still, it's a great thing to have. So lights, that's somewhat covered. There're a lot of good brands out there. Um I know dot uh, com, I think it is mm-hmm. it has tons of different articles and forums about who has the best lights and why they like them um i've really liked knight rider but there are tons of options out there and as far as weather preparation um <laughs> that <laughs> there are layers to this <laughs> oh so, uh-huh um we should really uh jump back to jake isenbrye he's the expert for oh, Southern yeah. Canada. Um, yeah. But I, I know it really pays to be prepared and have foreknowledge of what the weather is going to be like. Um, I've commuted to work through all sorts of different type of weather. And so I know a little bit of what it's like to ride in temperatures ranging from, you know, 100 to <laughs> negative 8, I think was the lowest. Right um, on.
1: That's cold enough. Your uh, your sealant's going to start freezing if you get too much past that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, my commuter at that point was just using tubes. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yes, I'd say fingers and toes are the most challenging aspects, and mm-hmm. and face. Um, but having a good pair of like fleece line or wool lined gloves with some sort of wind shell, either neoprene or windstopper or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that is pretty crucial for cold temps and then for really cold temps I'd say below below 15 and that's single digits Fahrenheit we're talking.
3: Yeah. Yeah
2: yeah. (laughs) Uh having some sort of pogies, which like are the sleeves that you put over your handlebars, those help immensely. Uh with a nice warm pair of gloves and pogies, it's amazing what you can ride through. Um and they have those for mountain bike and road bike with the drop bars or gravel bikes, whatever, whatever mm, kind yeah. of bars you want. They make whatever kind, fun. yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a name brand, so any kind of sleeve over those. There we go, yeah. Uh, also heated gloves. I got myself a pair of uh, outdoor research heated gloves a couple years ago, and those have a little bit of fleece lining as well as a windshell. And yeah, for commuting to work, those are incredible. Yeah. Because um, I, I don't have to have the sleeves. although. The sleeves with the heated gloves in <laughs> negative temperatures. Clutch, clutch. Yeah, <laughs> I still am pretty comfortable in that.
1: And aside from that, even from my own cold weather riding, you know, there's there's sort of axioms and uh, principles that apply from other parts of the outdoor world that cyclists don't always take up as much. That probably apply here, and those are things like be very careful and very patient, even if your ride means you're changing temperature a lot. Like you start cold, you warm up on some hills, stop and take a layer off. Don't let yourself get sweaty. Uh, and even if that means you're stopping over and over during your ride to take a layer off, put it back on, you know, be sure you're doing that because either letting yourself get too sweaty because you overheated or getting too chilled because you should have put a layer on for a downhill. Those can have serious consequences in the winter that, you know, might not matter as much in warmer weather. And uh, I know a lot of guys who have ridden the cold and they apply the same theory that some backpackers do, which is no matter what plan that you have one more layer in reserve than you ever put on your body. So that if something goes seriously wrong, you've got one more layer of backup. And obviously not everybody's going to ride this way and not every ride requires that, but having either a little more storage on your body, whether that's a backpack or a frame bag or something on your bike can also be useful in colder weather. So you don't feel like you have to just put your tights on and hope for the best.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. If something goes wrong and you cannot ride home, how are you going to be able to sustain yourself on the elements? And, you know, it's always good to have a charged cell phone, maybe an extra battery pack, especially if you're going for longer rides out there so you can Mm -hmm. get help if you need. Um, I also, for these, these bigger rides, um, out, in places that may not have cell coverage, I take a spot tracker beacon with me.
1: Yeah, just in case. And that's that's another one. Even if you don't have a tracker, make sure someone knows where you're going.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you don't want to be sitting out there for hours until somebody notices you're gone.
2: Yeah, I may not have
1: told anybody about Pikes Peak, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> do that. Yeah, tell, do people, that. Tell, tell people. Tell people. Yep. Do as we say, not as we do.
1: We all want to get to next spring and good riding in good shape with all of our fingers and toes
2: yeah yeah speaking of toes yeah um my strategy for keeping those warm because i don't have amazing circulation especially my toes um i have a pair of they're actually shimano uh winter tex boots yeah and those definitely help cut the wind and they're pretty warm just by themselves but then uh, a nice pair of wool socks Mm -hmm. Um, ski socks work pretty well too i think wool is even a little more warm um, that usually gets me down to single digits pretty well, and then when we get to negative temperatures, I actually got a pair of heated socks. Oh, yeah, they have go. like a little heating element through them. Yeah, they're a pain to clean because you have to hand wash them. <laughs> but yeah, you put little batteries up, and they're like knee high essentially. And <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, yeah, they're they're toasty, so that's a pretty good combo. Um, it's allowed me to do some pretty fairly foolish <laughs> rides. <laughs> um and then you know layering from the top down beyond that i always have some sort of like wool cap or um if it's really cold i'll do like a full balaclava like hood and face mask yeah um and i'll ride in ski goggles Mm -hmm. instead of glasses because you know then you can uh they're a little better at not fogging and um you can cover up your entire face essentially.
1: And full zip layers better than like half or quarter zip kind of stuff. So you can get them on and off quickly. Anything that you can get on and off with good zippers where you don't have to worry about fumbling around with gloves.
2: <laughs> yep. Yep. That's handy. Uh, and there are a lot of cycling companies that make every layer of apparel that you can imagine at every temperature needed and i i'm a little more uh off the cuff i guess i i don't have a lot of cycling specific equipment uh, not a lot of spandex yeah um when it comes to the mountain world i do but not so much in the road world i just tend to layer what i have i usually have some sort of um midweight fleece layer uh on top of you know some sort of poly blend shirt or long Mm -hmm. sleeve and then after the fleece i'll have some sort of wind shell and that could be either an insulated wind shell or not Uh, and on top of that i will have just a straight wind shell a really light one i usually put that one on on last if it's really cold because two wind shells definitely stack Uh, (laughs) yeah the effects multiply quickly yeah you know i I love my Melanzana. Um, mm. You know, they're straight from Leadville and local here in Colorado. And I've had three over the years and they've served me so well. I'm wearing one right now. Yeah, um, you actually are. And since they have the hood that you can adjust some, uh, I'll throw that over as it gets colder. Yeah. And like pull it down to where basically I can just see out of it.
1: and <laughs> That's all. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's kept me really toasty on a lot of long rides. Um, and then for lower body you know we usually some sort of chamois and tights um or combo and sometimes even like um lightweight wind pants on top of that Mm -hmm. i haven't gotten real intense with insulated layers on the lower body because i feel like my legs are just always warm yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah there there's so many different things you can add on um there are lots of, uh, like, fleecy, tight materials. Um, Cortex makes a bunch of stuff that, you know, has windstopper and a gore layer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you all, all sorts of options. And uh, I know the UK actually is a good place to learn about cold, winter, wet riding. Um, yeah. And Endura, I believe, is from mm-hmm. there, and they make some wild wild full body kits that are basically meant to keep you totally dry in the worst conditions. Yeah. Trying to think of other little tricks.
1: Um. Well, one of them, it isn't even so much a trick as just, it applies to training is not going full bore. And for a lot of people, the winter is a great time to be doing a lot of zone one, zone two, just nice steady pace rides that you might be doing in a pain cave in your garage, but you could be doing outside in those might mean a lot of longer smoother miles you're not going to have the burst of energy of blasting up a hill on a mountain bike but hey that's that's perfect for long winter nights with uh once you get your gear dialed in you can go have some fun under the stars rather than just sit there and watch
3: netflix
2: yeah yeah and you know thankfully in colorado where we're at we have the luxury of having sunlight Year round. And mm-hmm. there's there's less of it in the winter. But you know, we're we're kind of known for having those bright, sunny winter days. Yeah. And being able to still get outside, even if it's cold, because it can be sunny and super cold, um, helps with your mood as well. You know, a lot of people fall victim to the, the winter blues or the seasonal affective disorder because yeah. vitamin D isn't as prevalent. Um, but getting out you can combat that. Still get some sun, yeah. As long as you're not totally decked head to toe, your, your tip of your nose will suck yeah, up yeah, some sun. Yeah, there you go. There. Got a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. You can you can throw some hand warmers in various places, make it better. various
1: places. We'll let you just imagine what those might be.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, as Jason mentioned, raining in the pace. I don't believe winter is the best time for setting records. I think it is the best time to rain back. And take a breath. I think even a true off season, you, know, you get off your bike for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you won't hear me say that often, but it can be really beneficial physically and psychologically to just take a few weeks to a month off, maybe do some skiing. Yeah. Maybe enjoy the holidays with family. Um, yeah, there, there are a lot of other things in life. <laughs> There are. I will continue riding my bike year-round (laughs) because
1: it's also my outlet. And uh, some of those of you out there don't know this, but Josh doesn't (laughs) cross-train. He has one sport. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. I used to run. (sighs) Maybe I'll do it again someday. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's important to do what you can to make this something that you still enjoy. And if it ever becomes more work than enjoyment, I think you really need to uh reflect on why why yeah. you're doing it. Uh, and December, January, those are great times to take a step back and start thinking about what your goals and hopes are for life. Yeah. Well, you know, as we continue on into this winter season, uh I think this is a this is a good time um well-timed holiday, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. to, you know, think about what the year has been for you and start uh, looking towards what the hopes and dreams are for the future uh, and enjoy the moment you know, view those, those loved ones, those family members that are, are close by and um, take a breath.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if you guys out there are any, in any way, like uh, Josh or I around here, there's probably a good bit of feeling like the last two years have just been a dead sprint of craziness. And, uh, even the biking once for those of us who get really into it, even that can be its own form of extra go, go, go just packing in the calendar and trying to get in the hours and the miles to train for the race that you're thinking about. And even that thing that can become an escape suddenly isn't. Um, and so as we go into the holidays, yeah, we definitely wish all of you out there the best, whether your situation is those where the holidays can be difficult or whether it is a great time to be with family. We wish you the best over the next few weeks. Um, we're still going to be here in the studio. We might be not as frequently on the trail, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a great little season for us to slow down a bit and look forward to what 2022 is going to hold. Pretty excited about that.
2: We have some great interviews coming up. Um, we do. We're really excited to share with you, so stay tuned with that.
1: Yeah. A few more that we are uh, chasing down in the pipeline as well. Can't tell you exactly who they are yet, but we might have some really fun ones coming out in the next few weeks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And as Jason said uh, a few weeks ago, we do have socks. So if if you want some Super Socks... If you want the stocking stuffers
1: or you just need the stockings, (laughs) (laughs) reach out on the website super.bike or find Josh or I if you're here in the Springs. Uh, Shout out to us on social, however you want to get a hold of us. We've got the socks. Um... Fifteen bucks a pair. It can uh, help support the show. Currently, Supa is not a money making gig for us, but uh you know, we'll see about that in the future.
2: Yeah. We we have some hopes at becoming at least self sustaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh and you know, we're working on developing some new projects and uh hopefully getting a, an online store of sorts functioning in the near future. So
1: yeah, that'll be coming soon.
2: Yeah. We look forward to more, more times to come and hopefully you all are enjoying this. Thanks for journeying with us.
1: Yeah, thanks for being a part of the show just by listening. Josh, have a happy Thanksgiving.
2: You as well, Jason.
1: If you want to know more about stand-up pedal action, you can check us out online at supa.bike. That's S U P A . B I K E. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.